welcome to another episode of Pollinate. This is your host, Alina Kushinova, and I have a very special guest with me today. Today, I am sitting next to Jose Perenian. He is a stand-up comic and a public speaker. He received Inspirational Speaker of the Year in 2017 and Speaker Slam competition. In 2018, he delivered a TED Talk, Why Your Worst Fear Might Be Your Greatest Asset. He spoke to thousands at the Archangel Summit, sharing the stage with Arlene Dickinson, J.P. Sears, Brendan Bouchard, and he has performed in stand-up comedy in Edinburgh, New York City, Chicago, Toronto, Montreal, and Beirut. Jose, thank you for offering your presence here with us today. Happy to to be on the podcast and just for the purpose uh, of the listeners today, I will let them know their internet connection is fine. I'm the one who has a stutter. (laughs) So tell us, how do you remember when it started for you? I'm a... You mean me being funny or... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've always had a stutter ever since I started speaking, according to my to my mother. And I would say at the moment I'm using a breathing technique to control the stuttering which has had a a tremendous impact on how I communicate and how I express myself whereas most of my life I I would say my my stutter was pretty out of control and it manifested not just in in severe stuttering but more importantly in wanting to avoid speaking and people almost entirely. Could you tell me more about your breathing technique and how it actually works? I could see how and why as a voice coach yourself, you would ask this question. It's a breathing technique I learned on a on a speech therapy program in England over a de- de- decade ago now. It's based on chest breathing. Every few words I take a deep breath. It's the same I believe the same breathing as singing or opera even when people who stutter sing, they do not stutter, which is most likely related to why this technique is very effective. But even though I had learned 
this very effective technique initially, I was still dealing with the fear of being different. And that held me back from speaking for years, even after learning this technique. So it it wasn't until a few years ago that things started to change. Wow. Um, well, first question is when, how old were you when you learned the technique? And second, what was that deciding factor for you to actually go through your fear as opposed to keep running away from speaking to people? I was 17 years old when I took that course in the UK. It's a a speech therapy program that has chapters internationally because at the time I was living in Lebanon doing, doing a course in... In Europe was the closest option because before that, the speech therapy I had done in Lebanon did not prove to be effective. So I I went on that course when I was 17 and even though I had the occasional win, I would say the fear of being judged for being different still held me back in every way imaginable. So it wasn't until, I would say my my biggest transformation was over the last three years. That must have been the the main one i had some some ups before that but i would say the past th- 3 years have proved to be to be quite unexpectedly transformational so where did that change start to occur now, if I go back to before those three years, I did have the 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 occasional win or step forward rather that set things up for later. So one of the steps what what was learning this breathing technique. Then in my, I believe, third year in university, I I joined this group called Toastmasters where I started to work on my terrifying fear of public speaking. The fear was, the fear was so de- debilitating that a year before that, I had asked all of my professors to exempt me from not only every oral 
representation, but also every instance of in-class participation. So if I saw on the syllabus that, oh, this class requires 5 or 10% of participation in the class on which some of your grade will depend, I would go see those professors during their meeting hours to ask what extra homework could I do to avoid having to speak in class. So my, my entire existence revolved around how do I minimize speaking in every way that I can. Third year, I joined Toastmasters to start working on this extremely uncomfortable fear. Fourth year, I joined the debating club, also in a university at McGill in Montreal. And after that, I... I went back to, to not speaking as much for a few years. The occasional good month or a good week, but overall, I was I was avoiding more than I was seeking or facing. When I moved to Toronto early twenty fifteen. I I had joined a Toastmasters club here called CSI. A lot of things happened between 2016 and 2019. So in the fall of 2016... I took a stand-up comedy class at Second City here in Toronto. And I would say that my exposure to Toastmasters and public speaking really brought me one step away from something like stand-up comedy. So I wouldn't have even considered doing a course in stand-up if I hadn't been working on my public speaking, which at the time was merely a way for me to work on my stuttering. That's how I perceived speaking, not as a vehicle to share a message that might impact others. Rather, I perceived it as me doing something so terrifying that it would make my other instances of speaking seem a lot less daunting. So I take that class also having realized over the years that when I would joke about having a stutter, it relaxed both my listener and myself right away. For example, when I would go to a 
party, I might have said something like, hey, it's great to meet you guys. And by the way, I'm not drunk or anything. I just have a stutter. So I would joke about it. And that's probably the initial thought that made me realize that maybe I should look into joking more, joking about an insecurity to flip it. And of course, I was a fan of, of stand-up comedy since, since my t- teenage years. So if I had to pick one starting point for the transformation specifically of the last three years, it would be taking that stand-up class. After I I take that stand-up comedy class, a few months after, I do my first ever performance in, it was in January of, of 2016. No, the performance was in December of 2016. I posted it on my social media on January of 2017 to share with family and friends. And it got so much positive feedback. It was so heartwarming. It got almost 700 likes and just great encouraging feedback from everyone. And not just people saying, wow, it's inspiring, but people actually saying it's funny stuff, which when I'm when I'm doing stand-up, all I really care about is, is it funny? When I'm doing speaking, of course, the impact and the motivational aspect are what counts. But with stand-up, 100% humor-based. And did they laugh is, is the most important question you can ask. So... It w- it wasn't only comments from from people being encouraging and hey this is so cool, but people were actually were actually laughing and 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 commenting that it's hilarious, which really inc- encouraged me to not just treat it as okay this was an after work hobby for two months, but to actually look into doing more performances. So then one thing led to the other, and with stand-up specifically, I have now performed in three continents, yeah, in three continents, and in three languages. I've done stand-up mainly in English, but, but... but also in French and in Spanish. Most recently, I, I've performed at the Laugh Factory in Los Angeles with some really great comedians like Whitney Cummings and, 
and Godfrey and George Wallace, some really and Tehran. That show was was absolutely unbelievable. And I have also opened for some pretty renowned comedians, including Nummer, who's a Lebanese American comedian for whom I've opened at the Queen Elizabeth Theater here in Toronto in front of a thousand people. And same thing in Lebanon. I've opened for him twice in front of a thousand people each time. So that's with stand-up comedy. Around the same time, in May of 2017, I did my first ever formal speech that's not just me practicing at Toastmasters in that small room environment, but my first ever actual speech on a stage with an audience was at Speaker Slam. The theme was overcoming adversity. And what's funny is that I remember, so that event is an inspirational speaking competition. And I remember thinking when I when this event started, I was like, what would I even speak about? Because at Toastmasters, I was always doing random speeches about my traveling or my my trip to Colombia or why I like learning languages so it was it was always random topics and I just did public speaking to work on the fear so when I was faced with the idea of having to write an inspirational speech, I was like, what can I even talk about? I, it wasn't obvious to me that the journey that I had been on might be a story worth sharing. So it, but then I was like, then I think after a few conversations and I was like, okay, I should maybe write a speech about my journey with stuttering. And then I, I competed, I won. A few months later, I competed at the Grand Slam, which is the yearly event where all of the winners of that year compete. I competed, I won. So that's how I had received the the award of 2017 Inspirational Speaker of the Year. A few days after that, I, I received a confirmation from T- TEDx, Queen's University, for speaking at their upcoming TEDx event in February of 2018. And that was in front of 500 people, which at the time was by far my largest audience. And I 
remember being absolutely terrified by this whole thing and I remember two weeks before it I was at a Toastmasters meeting and my my stutter was so severe that I was getting stuck on every other word for like 20 seconds each time because this the control that I'm able to get now requires constant work and one of the ways which I'll I'll get into in a second is I would go outside or to the mall and I would ask for directions to 100 complete strangers and I did that for years for years I must have talked to tens of thousands of complete strangers of all walks of life groups old young men women just everyone and when I realized how how intensely debilitating the stutter was two weeks before my TEDx talk, I was determined to regaining some form of of control or not necessarily to not stutter because obviously I always stutter, but some form of control and not feeling like I am completely unable to speak so i i went to the eaton center that day and i told myself you cannot leave the mall until you feel like until you feel better and more at peace so that was one of the toughest things I've ever done because sometimes when I would get badly stuck on a word, people would either laugh or walk away mid-word. And that would happen over and over again. And I recall at one point, I just went to... went to the corner and I was one one step away from crying. I did shed a bit. I did shed some tears and I was like, just go home. Just go home. Why are you doing this to yourself? And then I... I just knew that I had to stay there because I did not want to lose. I did not want the fear to win. And I was just so terrified of speaking and of people in general. So I I, I stayed there and that day I must have talked to more than 200 people. I stayed at the mall for seven hours of, do, of just facing this nonstop. And then I felt so much, 
I felt like something changed that day. Uh, two weeks later, I do my my TEDx talk, which goes extremely well. A few months after that, I and I'll I'll mention after my TEDx talk, I received my first request for a professional speaking engagement, and. The first email I received, I was just like, whoa, I've gone my whole life wanting to pay not to speak. Now I'm, I'm going to get paid to speak. What an absurd, what an absurd change. And since then, I have spoken at schools but at schools and more so at corporate events and conferences. Most recently, I was the closing keynote at the Hollywood Innovation and Technology Summit that, that was just three weeks ago. And that was, an, that was a surreal experience. I got to get on stage right after the, the CIO of the Walt Disney Company. It was just an amazing conference and event. And I'm getting ready now to to speak at a few more conferences this fall. Wow. What an incredible achievement. You've obviously touched and moved so many people through this time. I'm wondering if there are any moments that stand out for you where you understood how much seeing you do this is actually impacting other people? That's a great, great question because the first time I received a a message, a lot of people would come up to me at events and those were some of the most fulfilling conversations I've ever had. I remember after my TEDx talk, this woman comes up to me with her friends and she tells me that my the part about in my in my speeches, I often say everyone stutters. Everyone holds back due to something in life. It can be you being at an event and wanting to say hello to someone, but the fear of rejection holds you back. It can be you're in a classroom, you would like to speak up, but you remain quiet. It can be you having a project you want to start, and yet you're struggling to take that first step. Everyone stutters. And she comes up to me and says, I could really relate to that because I have a lot of social fears. I always hold back. And then one of her friends tells me, actually, you should know that she, that just a few minutes ago, she talked to this person that she had a crush on for so long and she just talked to them and I was like what 
Wow. Just the fact that something I say might have a direct impact. And I have, I've been so fortunate to receive so, so many of those reactions. There's this one friend of mine who, who after she saw my speech online, she reached out to me. She, she was an acquaintance at the time. She reaches out to me and says, hey, I want to share something with you. I used to love dancing as a child. And when I became a teenager, I started feeling so insecure and self-conscious. Insecure in my own body that I stopped dancing. And seeing and hearing you speak inspired inspired me to face those demons. A month after that, I received an invitation from her to attend the first dance recital she had done in years. And I remember that day, I had literally just gotten back from Montreal, but I went from the airport straight to her recital to see her perform. And I was just so touched, so touched that such an impact is possible. So my my drive right now is to exponent, exponentially maximize this impact by getting on as many stages as possible worldwide. Wow. Honestly, wow. Has your relationship with with your family changed? My family has always been extremely supportive. Yeah, they they've always been beyond supportive. They're the ones who initially had sent me to the UK to to take that course and I would say, if anything, it's improved because I express myself a lot more freely. But I've always had a good, a good, a good relationship with my parents and my sister. I would say my extended family, though, my relationship has improved a lot with them because I would avoid speaking to them my parents and sister i wouldn't avoid we 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 lived together right but whenever we would go to family gatherings or reunions i would not speak at all and i remember this 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 one time it was the 31st of December. I must have been 13, 14. And we were we were all supposed to go to this to this big New Year's Eve family party. And I was just so terrified and self-conscious of 
my stutter, of being different, and so fearful of situations where I would get asked a question and I would just freeze and just feel so small whenever I would get stuck on a word and my parents would have to jump in and finish my sentence and I would just feel just so ashamed. Yeah, so ashamed of who I was. And that day, I, I w- wake up in the morning and I'm like, I have to get out of this, this event. And I start to pretend to cough. For six hours, I'm just pretending to cough the whole day until my mom decides that, hey, she's like, hey, Jose, it seems like you're, you are dealing with a cold. It might be best if you st- stay home tonight. So it was the 31st of December. I stay home. I, I watch a movie by myself. I eat something at home. And (laughs) that's a very symbolic moment of how I lived most of my life. Yeah. So to to answer your question, yes. My relationship with my extended family has become a lot deeper and richer and more enjoyable because now when I do see them, I love talking to them, connecting with them. It's it's no speaking is no longer the source of pain. And now connecting with them is far more important than your fear in some way. Yeah. That's exactly it. When I was in... Austria. I was there on on vacation for a few days with my family. I was also around the same age, so we're talking 13, 13 years old. On the first day there, so we we were in Vienna for, for three days. On the first day, my 13-year-old self sees this girl with red hair walking with her mother. And and my 13-year-old self finds her adorable. A few seconds later, she gets into a, a, a cab with her mother and they leave. Day two... I'm at the Museum of, of Music in v- v- Vienna. And there she was, cute and cultured. Wow. My, my 13-year-old self had excellent taste. I, I think about saying hello to her because 
two consecutive days in a big city like Vienna was an astounding coincidence. But as I am drowning in my own head, she once again vanishes. Day three, last day in Vienna. I'm at a on a patio with my parents, my sister, and this couple we had met in the lobby at the hotel. My dad proceeds to tell them all about the girl with the red hair. And as would any teenager being teased about his crush, I look away embarrassed. And what I say in my speeches is with incomprehensible statistical absurdity, I see her. Third day, everyone at my table starts cheering for me. They're like, go speak to her three days in a row. And I I remember just sitting there, frozen with fear, and really dealing with one single thought. What would she even say when she hears me stutter? That's the, that fear had controlled my life. The, the fear of what would they say when they find out that I'm different. And that, I get emotional when I bring this up because if I could go back in time and speak with that teenager, I would love to be able to to tell him it's okay to be different. And that, it took me so long to, to just accept that. And if I could really sum it up in, in one simple message, it would be own what makes you unique and act not in spite of fear, but be because of it. When something feels uncomfortable, we, we, we need to realize that we find it uncomfortable for a reason. And that reason is we need to do that thing. And lastly, once, once anyone finds that thing that they are te- terrified of, not only might this be something that they overcome, but this might be the, the path that they ought to take in life. The stoic f- 
philosopher Marcus Aurelius has a beautiful, beautiful quote that said, the impediment to action advances action. The obstacle that stands in the way becomes the way. And what I usually tell in my speeches at events is I often say my obstacle brought me to this stage. Where will your obstacle take you? It can literally act as a trampoline in a way that would not have been conceivable for me even a few years ago. I'm like wiping tears here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know now if we're happy or not happy that we did not go with the video. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Um, Is there anything you would like to add before we finish? If if any of of the listeners want would like to c- connect the best way to do so is on Instagram at yesway jose the opposite of no way jose so yesway jose j o z e or on LinkedIn with with the name that that will show up on the podcast, Jose Peranian. I typically announce upcoming comedy shows on on my Instagram. And I do have a, a short guide that I had written that can be obtained through my website, if you go on joseperanian.com and just click on, I think it was called free ebook and it will be sent to, to your inboxes. Mm-hmm. Well, Jose, thank you so much. You know, it's funny, um, before we met up, uh, we were exchanging some words on Facebook and uh, we discovered that we actually ran into each other in 2015, I suppose, when you first came to Toronto. And I actually remember that you came to me asking for directions. <laughs> like the hundreds of people that you would reach out to. And we ended up having this really captivating conversation around dance but that was your way in and we haven't spoken since in all these years and when we saw that we talked before it took us a while to remember that moment but it's funny to think how we're all somehow connected in time yeah it's it's really interesting most of the time when i do the exercise of asking for directions it tends to just be directions and then I move on to the next question 
or the next individual, once in a while it leads to a, a conversation. And there's some people I've met through this exercise, my, my very good friend, Edine, a, a really cool f- f- French guy. We had met while I was doing this exercise probably around four years ago and we've been good friends ever since and then with some other people they've showed up to see my comedy shows after we've connected on Instagram so it's that exercise is so fascinating because not only is it a stuttering exercise but it's also a social exercise and I'm willing to bet that anyone with social anxiety even if they do not stutter would find this exercise life-changing if and when I do a second TED TEDx talk I I want it to be about shyness because I I grew up painfully shy but for very different reasons because of my stuttering and I almost felt like I was destined to a certain life of shyness and timidity because I was holding back because of my stuttering. And when people meet me nowadays, they just assume I've, I'm a natural extrovert. They assume I've always been extroverted, which I find absolutely hilarious. And I, I think shyness is something that, that can shrink the potential of so many people in the world. Every time someone holds back from making a social connection, whether it's in a professional or a social setting, the costs of shyness are so tragic sometimes in terms of what it can do to someone's life. And I truly believe that someone who might have been shy their, their whole lives can transform who, who they are, can rewire their fear mechanisms the way that I did by talking to tens of thousands of people. This is a this is of course a t- tangent. I when I talk about fear at events, it tends to be more it tends to be more universal and applicable to all types of fears, but this is one in particular I would like to to st- speak about in the future.
I think that's so important. I mean, it's it really touches a lot of us. And in terms of myself, I grew up to be a really, really quiet person. I was really, really shy. But there is this kind of seed inside me that wants to connect, that if the opportunity opens up itself, I jump onto it like a, you know, with no hesitation whatsoever. <laughs> and so... It was funny to me to see my transformation, like when I entered my high school years and I discovered theater and performance, mm -hmm. that was the one thing that really opened me up and it just dropped all the jaws of my family members because they didn't even know that I could really speak. Wow. <laughs> to add to that, I don't remember the name of, of the TED Talk, but this this one speaker had said, and I am paraphrasing right now, the area of life in which you struggle the most is the area in which you have the most to give. I think it's a great way to to end <laughs> it is <laughs> thank you Jose so much from my heart and the people that listen to this thank you for for having me on and thank you whoever was listening for having listened Bye.